You're listening to The Heart of It Podcast. My name is Sam Smeltzer, and I'm an HR intuitive and healer. In this podcast, we'll chat about what the industry of human resources can make possible for people and our organizations. In each episode, we'll have raw conversation around inner development and organizational culture change to create a working world where both people and organizations thrive. Thank you for listening. Now let's get this episode started. Welcome to this episode of the Heart of It podcast. I'm so excited that you are joining us today as we finish our conversations around the book, The Law of Divine Compensation by Marianne Williamson. So this is only week three. It's a short book with a lot packed into it, Um, but we're going to unpack the final 70 pages. So Josh, you want to start with your general reactions on the end of this book? Sure. So, the first chapter of this part of it was the Embracing Abundance, which I uh, definitely, I think I actually mentioned this in our first episode when we talked about just the idea that I think so many of us function from a place where we think there's just a finite amount of opportunity out there for us, and that um because of that that then allows us to make excuses for ourselves about why something isn't working and that that is just totally not the case whatsoever you know there's you know i sometimes i break it down even in our small part of the world you know you think there's what 300 plus million people here in the united states there's you know 450 odd thousand people here just in york you know to me in my business that just tells me there's always somebody out there to talk to um, that you can work with. There's always another opportunity around the corner. And for me, the part about embracing abundance is not just maybe the idea of something not working, like that you, you can't find the opportunity. But for me, it's about thinking about prioritizing the opportunities you have and not putting your energy into a opportunity or a relationship with, in business or whatever it might be that's just draining. Don't force something because there's always another opportunity around the corner for you. And, you know, it's funny. I mean, I, I look at my businesses. Sometimes you end up having two or three clients that, that not even from a time point of view, but just from an, a mental angst point of view, dominate so much of what you have. And if you just freed yourself from them, you could replace them with another 50 clients. And that means not just making more money, but helping 50 more people who really want, you know, the opportunity to work with you. So I'm a big believer in abundance mentality that you always have to know that there's opportunities out there and not get, um, you know, I've seen people, an opportunity doesn't work out, so they just clam up and and hole up and say, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to self-sabotage. I'm going to tear apart this interaction and why it didn't work as opposed to just filing it to the side and saying, you know what, there's plenty more out there. Well, what do you, like, think about the whole concept of, like, when people say that they're overwhelmed by the possibilities and opportunities, and so, therefore, they don't really make any movement on anything, but because they can see a gazillion different paths, so all those things that you talked about, there's a lot of people who believe all of that is possible, but because of that belief, it's so overwhelming that they don't start taking action anywhere. Like, what would you say to that person? 
to me, that's the person who then needs to hone down really who they are and what they want. You know, I don't believe that any of us can sit there and say that we are so overwhelmed by what are actual possibilities as opposed to our actual, you know, paths to do things as opposed to maybe just what we think of in our mind. And I'll bring up, you know, we haven't watched this lately, but we used to always watch Shark Tank all the time. And you would have these people come on and say, you know, I'm making, I don't know, a camp stool that also like waters your plant or something dumb like that. And then they'd be like, this is like a $17 billion market just because they looked at like all the money that is spent in one thing and then think that's all of their opportunity. And the message was always, you got to hone down what you do. You got to find your niche. You can't, that's just, if, if you are falling under that belief, then you're not living in reality, mm -hmm. I think. And I think that's um, really interesting just sit, like hearing you say that because my biggest, my final reactions reading these books these ending part of the this ending part of the book was really around the um like almost reiterating for me what is my niche and who I am and why I do this and I think back to when I started my business where I, I did not know that at all in fact I've I've just started to grasp that probably in the last year if that or less and uh, because of that, I struggled with taking action. Like, uh, I remember you would rattle off all these things that I could do, and, and you'll do it at a moment's notice if need be. But um, it was always just so overwhelming because I could never connect it to who I was or why I was doing that because I didn't even know that piece yet. And even when I worked with coaches to try to figure that out, I still didn't know. Um, and there was a lot that um, I had to figure out in order to know to get to that abundance mentality so I guess one of the things that I took away uh, in conclusion and even just hearing you say that I'm processing that is processing this is just thinking how much farther behind or less evolved I was in in obtaining that abundance mindset when I when I started my business no and I think uh I mean this is again just my opinion but I think sometimes and I think maybe you did this a little bit too initially, is you're always looking for something to give you the answer to that, when the answer to that is like just accepting it within yourself. And that nobody, no, I mean, a coach can help you get there, but there's no book you're going to read. There's no that's going to tell you that. you got to get to that belief. You can read it, but you got to get to that belief within yourself. Yeah. All right, well, let's move into our key takeaways from this last final chunk uh, in the book. All right. Um, so for me, one of the starting places, uh, one of my first major takeaways and way that I really connected to the book in these final 70 pages was in the embracing abundance chapter on page 145. Um, she writes that people have no idea what they miss in life by discounting other people and the gifts they bring in a universe where all is designed to provide us with perfect lessons in every moment there are lessons waiting, awaiting us in the most unexpected places. You know, as somebody who definitely, and I wrote my, my first book was all about this, is these um, relationships that were hard, uh, that I really thought at the time when I was experiencing them that they wore lessons from the universe or meant to be in my life um, as signs from the universe and then ended in these horrible, painful ways. Uh, that also provided these really powerful lessons. Uh, I recognize that, yet I still 
know, I struggle with this, but I see a lot of people who make assumptions about other people. Um, and, and because we, we discount them, we don't know what opportunities might be there. Um, and, you know, for me, in the line of work that I do, <laughs> usually when we're discounting somebody, those are people that are trying to figure out who they are, uh, and they're still trying to uh, make sense of things. And, um, you know, my heart goes out to them, and, and I want to do everything possible to help that individual if I can serve as a coach or in whatever capacity, or even just have coffee and chat with them. But sometimes we hold the fact that they're that they're in a state of messy against them and that discounts their ability to add any value to our lives. Yet there's just so much that happens when we connect with people. And I'm sure this is going to resonate with you because you love connecting with people. It's like part of your innate nature. Um, but it just really like in, in one little sentence, she really like just kind of jammed it in there about, how when we're quick to judge, we really could be doing a disservice to ourselves. Yeah, I would agree with you on that. I actually underline the same part. And I will speak from this as a person who's probably more quicker to judgmental on people, judgment on people. And, I mean, I don't think, I appreciate people in the messiness of life. And, like, the people who are working, and, and she brings up something earlier about working and struggling, which I think is interesting. But, like, where my frustration becomes is, like, with, with people, and I don't mean to say that I, I turn to judgment on this side, but is when people, like, use that as a crutch and then, like, kind of wallow in their own self-pity and they're like, I just can't do it because the world isn't giving it to me, you know, which is a, kind of the story that she highlighted in here and, and the guy she was her driver. Yeah. So, and th those that starts to, like, I have a certain tolerance for that and to try to help people push through it, but if they just choose to stay in that mentality, it's a very... Just kind of sucks the life out of you. Yeah. And it's always, it's she, uh, Marianne show, shares a story about this driver who is an aspiring screenplay, screenwriter, like uh, living in Los Angeles and ends up being the driver for Marianne Williamson, who's this massive personal development coach. Um, and he's looking for his big break and she basically like paints the picture for him that he's in a job where he's getting to network with people that others would not have access to and what are you doing with that opportunity um and most people that i've talked to when they say that it's not happening it's not there when i've sat down with them the opportunities are there it's just that we're so caught up in the messiness of our own life that we can't see it because we want it to look and be a specific certain way um so yeah so it's interesting how people are in that messiness state they're they're almost hurting themselves, but it also hurts us when we choose not to reach out and discount and not connect with them, um, which is a reminder that I think we can all have. The other really big takeaway that I had was um, jumping, I'm going to connect two chapters here together, but jumping to the chapter on creating wealth through purity of heart on page 169, she breaks down the three spiritual steps involved in the metaphysical transformation of lack into abundance um, and she lists these things which are huge monumental things uh, but we see these these are common themes that I've seen as I've studied spiritual development and transformation um, but number one is be grateful for what you already have uh, so gratitude is always like kind of that foundational piece Two, 
clean up whatever you need to clean up. So we talked about being in that state of messiness, recognizing that and, and cleaning up. Um, my spiritual teacher, Gabrielle Bernstein, always says, clean up your side of the street. You can't make any comments on the other side of the street or a neighbor's house until you have uh, cleaned up your side of the street. And then number three is allow yourself to want what you want, um, which is easier said than done. I know that I am challenged doing that because I always think that I'm not worthy or it's selfish to want things. Um, and this is how I'm going to connect it to um, a message that was in the meditation chapter on page 155. She says, commit within your heart that you will use whatever wealth comes into your life as spirit directs as a means of blessing and never of harm. And so if you want what you want and you know that it's aligned with spirit or your higher calling or your higher purpose, um, if you're using the abundance to fuel that work, it's, it's going to be okay. Like you can want what you want as long as you have that alignment with spirit. Um, that's kind of your guarantee to know that you're not, moving down a path of being self-serving. Um, and the trick is to make sure that you're aligned with spirit and knowing what that feels like. Yeah, I agree. So what were your takeaways? I was definitely more drawn to the meditation and prayer chapter just because that's been a big part of like what I have been working on. Like meditation and finding that, you know, my mind is always going a thousand times a minute, a thousand different ways. And I think just trying to take the time to uh, disconnect because only when you disconnect do you really hear what's out there to be listened to. But um, there was one part, I guess this is actually in the prayer chapter, but it speaks to both of them, where it says, When we meditate and pray, we align our minds with God's power. Our nervous system takes on a mantle of peace. Our anxious thoughts are replaced by peaceful ones. Our dull thinking becomes rash, radiant and brilliant. So, which I really thought is good. And, I, you know, the other part that I have learned is that, you know, meditation... Um, and finding that spot is just a little bit different for everyone. You know, I find myself meditating when I run. You know, it's a time for me to disconnect. Although lately my children have been riding bike with me and they talk nonstop, so that's kind of losing that outlet. But, you know, sometimes I think we're so quick to, like, follow what other people do. I even try. I, for a while, was doing some Tai Chi and which I enjoyed immensely, but it was not in any way a meditative thing for me because I was like stressing out so much trying to follow the Asian man on TV and all the moves that he was doing through like a 15 step thing, which I really enjoyed, but it definitely gave me no sense of like time for, for like my mind to disconnect. So, but the one thing I think I have learned, and this is, you know, from that I, I just, just I picked up and, and it certainly has been taught to me is that even when we do like truly meditate, it's not like we're going to be like a monk sitting on a hill that just for days looks like he has nothing on his mind except what God wants him to hear. You know, our meditation is, you know, brief two, three second intervals where we just find our mind empty. And our goal should just be to try to get back to those as often as we can when we're in kind of that in that meditative uh, state. And you know what, if we sit there for 20 minutes and it happens five times for two or three seconds each, that's that's a really good time that you got for yourself. No, and I even appreciate you saying that as a reminder. I mean, I do, I do a daily Qigong practice and 
I aim to have this 10 minutes of standing meditation where I get to go to that place. Um, and for a while, there are certain times where I would be able to zone out for like 10 minutes, almost go 15 and totally forget. And right now I've been like live streaming it. So then I feel bad that there's people that are waiting and maybe struggling through that period of time. Um, but then I like almost feel like a failure during the times where like I zone out and then I wake up, like wake up, but my eyes, I come back into my body and I'm like, it's only been three minutes. Like how, like you're supposed to be at least 10. Like, um, so it's nice to, to put that realistic perspective back into place that we aren't, we aren't enlightened monks sitting up in the mountains in that meditative state. And believe me, if you were up in the mountains, uh, in silence, it's probably, it is, it is a lot easier to get into that meditative Mm. state. If really all you had to do was wake up every day, feed yourself a nourishing meal, and then go be with nature in a beautiful setting, nothing else in your scope of responsibility at that time, you could reach that, that state. Yes, I would agree with that. Any other takeaways? No, those were really my big ones. All right. So closed captions. So I have uh, three because we're closing out the book and there was three that I really wanted to share. So my first two come from the chapter on embracing abundance. Page 134. And then there's a piece on 135 and I'm just going to read it all together as one. So your greatest source of power in this world is the knowledge that you're not of this world. The loving heart, however, you're a non-material wave of energy on earth with a spiritual mission. Um, And I think, you know, this belief is something that really was a game changer to me of realizing that, you know, being here on a physical plane is, is only one piece of the greater picture. That there's life beyond this. This is also a big piece of if you've followed any of the blogs recently uh with the current social justice action items that are out there you know around black lives matter around grieving the deaths of the um brothers and sisters of the black community that we've recently lost uh in these horrific uh, murders you know one of the things that had brought me solace was knowing that in death the work is not done that there um, spirit lives on that their energy lives on and look at these waves that it is creating this movement that it's creating um, and if we keep going if that energy is strong enough uh, it's going to manifest change um, and so that's always a humbling kind of thing for me to know and even with us recently experiencing a, a personal loss with a friend um there is life beyond death and they are not completely gone. And so to, to recognize that, to recognize that when we're talking about being connected, you're being in tune to something much larger and bigger than yourself. And then my last one that I want to leave everyone with is in, Oh, it's an embracing abundance as well on page 143. Um, Your internal self is like a magnet. There's a spirit within you that naturally attracts all the patterns and details 
that would form your most beautiful life. So when you truly are your authentic self, when you get back there, when you live this connected life, which is what I like to call it all the time, and you're with your aligned path and your calling and your purpose, um, when all of that gets into alignment on that path, the universe uh, and spirit just naturally pulls everything that you need in place to form that most beautiful life, a life that's more beautiful than you could even imagine or vision for yourself. So I thought that was a real great final note to end it. Yeah, I'll mention mine, which is actually in the very last page of the book itself. That is, God will do his part when we do ours. Even if we have only a frayed hat, we can still put our hat on and show up for life. We can pray for a miracle and think miraculously. Abundance and prosperity will show up when they do. When we do. Abundance and prosperity will show up when we do. And that just kind of hit home to the idea that, like, we can't sit here and just, like, and I actually said this to somebody the other day, is, you know, God answers the prayers that we don't ask. Like, his, his job is not to show up and, like, do what we ask him to do. But that's when we all turn to him. And that's, to me, it's uh, the idea that, that you show up every day, you do what your part is, which is really what the words of this book are, and God will... God will provide, and he will always be there. But on his terms, not yours. Yeah. Good. Well, that's it. Well, thank you for having me. Thank you for joining me on this journey through this book. So we finished the second book in the series of our first summer reading chapter chat podcast, podcast book club series. Um... The Law of Divine Compensation by Marianne Williamson. Uh, next week, we'll be diving into the third book in the series, which is Untamed by Glennon Doyle. Uh, and that book, I'm actually going to be doing by myself. So you're going to hear all the wonderful thoughts and feelings of how I react and connect and thoughts I want to leave you with and quotes I want to leave you with um, as I process that book, which is... Um, the book is pretty incredible. So I'm really excited to share that with you starting next week. But thank you so much for reading this book with me and taking time out to record these episodes and share your thoughts um, and share them with everyone who's listening. Is there anything else that you want to say? No, other than it's been a pleasure. I enjoy it very much. It's always good to read a book and get somebody else's uh, thoughts on it. Perspectives makes you think more about what's in there. So thank you. Thank you. All right, so have a great day, and we, well, not we, I will talk to you next week. Uh, Take care. Thanks. Hi, everyone. Mary Rose Ritter with Leadership Arts Associates here. Are you looking to make a career change or new to the job market? At Leadership Arts Associates, we can help refresh your resume and provide you a cover letter template for just $100. But if you reference this ad when you reach out to us, you will receive a 25% discount on that service. You can reach us at 717-430-2850 or hr at leadershipisart.com.